Hello and welcome to the Marysville Church of Christ podcast. This is Heritage and my name is Bishop. I'll be your host today. Last week we left Saul huddled and scared, having just had an encounter that would change his life radically forever. What came next was one of the most remarkable stories in the history of humanity. A change of heart so radical and so unbelievable that to many it, well, was. As soon as he had the ability to to really speak and be on his feet again, he found himself in Damascus, telling everyone who would listen about this man, Jesus, whom he had been persecuting. Everyone in the city was shocked. I mean, his reputation preceded him, but perhaps the people that were most shocked were his own followers. Those that were entrusted to him, those who just days before were persecuting Christians alongside him. They began to debate him, to argue, but as we've talked about, no one in the first century world could handle the intellect of Saul. Person after person would come up in the synagogue and try to to take away his words or undo them, and person after person would fall victim to his wit and his intelligence. Several days he spent in Damascus. Several days he was there in the synagogues, proclaiming Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here we are, a beginning of a new era. Now, the Jews that he had come with from Jerusalem obviously were not going to take this lightly and didn't. And it wasn't long before there was a plot to kill this young Saul. So much so that they had gathered together even the city guards waiting day and night so that whenever he tried to leave, they could kill him out in the streets. But at this point, there were, there were a few in his original group of people going around and persecuting Christians who were persuaded by Paul. And they looked out for him, were able to sneak him out by lowering him in a basket over the wall. It's amazing how you look at the dynamic and confrontational nature of Saul's conversion. Even within the own group of Jews that Saul came with, half of them, more than half of them, wanted him dead. But there were a few who were willing to put their own lives on the line to protect what they realized was going to be something special. After he went to Damascus, he tried to go to Jerusalem and associate with the church there. But obviously everyone, everyone was terrified of him. That was until Barnabas, his longtime friend, his peer back from college, took him in and brought him directly to Peter and the others and defended him and began to try to start his career. What's fascinating, though, is that despite all of these things working in his favor, there was some things that still worked against him. For instance, his entire world had changed and shifted. Everything he thought he knew about theology, everything he thought he knew about the Bible was completely turned upside down, and he had no idea, no comprehension of what to do next. I mean, he had been rejected in Damascus, almost killed. He had been rejected for the large part in Jerusalem, his ancestral home. So he went back to his biological home in Tarsus. And for three years, he labored and slaved over his tents. By day, he was hunched over. He was working hard, tanning leather, preparing what he needed. And by night, he would have been poring over the scrolls of Isaiah and Daniel and Jeremiah having his eyes opened and transformed to the way that this revelation of Jesus changes 
everything. It was during this time, this three-year period in Tarsus, that he would have met many people, many people that would have become friends for life. There were some silversmiths that would come and adorn his tents that would travel from different places, and he began a relationship with them. Over hushed voices as they're working on the tents, he would begin to tell stories of Jesus, reinterpreting the scriptures in ways that would have profoundly shaped and changed these Jews. But not only that, but during this three-year period in Tarsus, we know that uh, from church history that he would have started his presentation of this to Greeks and Gentiles. Perhaps this is the most shocking part of this young, uh, the start of this young career from Saul, is that he was interested in bringing along the Gentiles, the very people that two years ago he would have killed because he hated so much in his zealot passion in his zealous desire to overthrow the Greek influence, now here he is teaching them how to be saved through Jesus Christ. Everything about Saul had changed. There were two traveling tent makers who found their way to Tarsus, Aquila and Priscilla. And it was during this time that Aquila and Priscilla became lifelong friends of Paul. Then Saul. And it was through this relationship that he began to have connections with other people in the church. We don't know how many times Aquila and Priscilla would have met Paul during this time, nor do we have any idea of of how many others he was influenced. But these three years in Tarsus were key to him creating a network of friends in the Christian world, as well as fine-tuning his theology, studying it, and converting others to it. A couple years after he was there, a situation in the Church of Antioch broke out. There was a huge debate, a fight, between the Church of Jerusalem and the Church of Antioch as people began to try to convert the Jews and the Greeks. In Antioch in particular, there was a large population of Greek speakers and a lot of philosophers. And it was natural there that the church in Antioch began to try to convert them. But the church in Jerusalem held reservation to that, and it caused a huge skiff. I mean, the church of Jerusalem still was laboring under the expectation that the Jews were the chosen people of God and the Jews alone. Huge amounts of division and splits were happening all across the church of Jerusalem, affecting the churches of Antioch and all the way out even to Galatia. And everyone was looking around realizing that something needed to change. We see that Paul, what his name began to get thrown around as a possible person who could step in and heal it. But for a while, Peter tried to stop it. Peter worked really hard to try to speak against it, allow the Gentiles to do it, but even Peter's words were not enough. The other apostles stepped in, and they tried to to end this schism between Greeks and Jews, and they didn't have the power, the eloquence, or the intelligence to be able to do it. But Barnabas remembered his friend, his, his co-laborer in college, now co-conspirator in Christ. And he made the long journey from Jerusalem all the way to Tarsus. He knocked on the door of Saul's tent shop. And as Saul would go to answer, he was going to be faced with a decision that would shape his future. Stay in the tent shop. Stay doing what's comfortable, what's normal, or do something more radical. 
the church needed Saul. The church needed him to step in and fix this growing division. It had the the potential to split the church in half. The Christian movement of Christ could have stopped ever before it began. But Barnabas had a secret weapon. A man he knew could change the world. A young tent maker, persecutor of the church, now defender of Christ, Saul. And so they left out together on a mission that we'll talk about next week.